0: Hey up everybody, welcome to the final episode of Loose Lips here, this is our 10th instalment and I've been thinking of how to sort of go about it, so this is the end of the first series, so the next set is going to be series 2, so this is... Our final guest of this series. So we're going to be speaking with a lady called Talisha who has come to the group. So as soon as she sends me a request, we'll get speaking with her and find out a bit about her books and her career and just a bit more about her life as well. If you're looking to capture any of the previous Loose Lips, then you can do that on our YouTube by going to Pop Cult Chic. uh, Also on IGTV if you put in pop.cult.com and you can find it there alicia if you just send the request it should have come up as soon as you are logged on as soon as you send that i can accept it and then we'll be able to allow technology to connect us here we go hello how are you
1: hi i'm fine thank you how are you <laughs>
0: I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to do this. I I, I really wanted to reach out because I had a little little nosy on your uh, profile. I was like, you seem properly cool. I'm definitely wanting to chat with Uh, you on this.
1: I'm flattered.
0: (laughs) No, honestly, it's sick. So I think, should we start off with the uh, mentoring that you do? Because I I didn't realise that. And I think that's such an amazing thing to be able to to combine both worlds of your own career, but also still have an eye out to help nurture other other groups as well through. So do you want to uh, start by telling us a bit more about that?
1: Of course. So um, last year I graduated as a career coach. Um, It was just really a part of me just kind of, I guess, refining my brand identity. So I don't know about you, but like, have you ever been at a point in life where you kind of feel like, okay, what am I actually doing?
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and so oh, no, oh, like, uh, how How am I doing it more like how am I doing it
1: yeah like I, I can't like I fi- kind of found myself in a place where yeah I was achieving lots of accolades and I was doing really well but in terms of actually just kind of refining my calling I felt like I had to do that um course because I feel like personal development is really important to me and I feel like I'm never at a point where i've reached and i feel like if you ever get to a place where you feel like you've reached then you clearly are not self-aware enough i feel like life is constantly about learning it's constantly about growing
0: and evolving and this is definitely the part-
1: yeah and evolving exactly. So um, yeah I, w- I did this career coach course um, and it really helped to kind of refine my calling because before that I ran a platform called Schoolgirl Online. Online um, and that was kind of my baby. I had that dream when I was 16 years old um, but when I kind of got to a place where it started not to kind of make sense with where I was in my life at the time and um, a lot of girls got in touch with me to ask about the media industry to ask about tv how to get into it and I found myself naturally giving them advice about the industry that I was in so it kind of made sense that actually why don't you just base your brand around coaching young women into how to navigate this space, because this is what they're coming to you for anyway. So I kind of walked away, and actually I did my career coaching course, I kind of walked away and I thought, yeah, it's time to rebrand, and since then I haven't looked back.
0: You you know what's powerful already from speaking to you is you've used the term a couple of times, your calling, and I think that's really (laughs) deep with an understanding of what it is that you are here to offer, not just people around your circle, but the world. That's what I class as, as a calling. And for me, yeah. I, 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 I tapped into my call, and I believe my calling is to spread light and joy to the world. That's what I believe my calling is. That's what I'm here on the planet to spark the soul of a generation. And I think when mm-hmm. you tap into your calling, it, it almost summons a, a bigger part. Like the way that I'm doing these chats, these chats started actually during quarantine during lockdown and it was like how can i look to be seen or want to connect with people to raise the spirits of people and also find out about life stories and the optimism that people have to share and there's something Mm. special in that realism but not a lot of people ever use that term they're calling so do you Remember, was there a particular lightning bolt moment or was there a particular time when you felt so in tune with your calling that you had to follow it? And what would you say your calling is?
1: I would say, first and foremost, my calling is to be me. Like, there are out of seven billion people on this planet, there is literally only one TC, there's only one Talisha TC. So, first and foremost, I've got to be that person because there's something, there's a reason why God created me and there's something about me that is going to help somebody else so that's first and foremost is to be myself I think second of all I naturally like to help other people realize their purpose as well um I'm a natural motivator um I would say I'm a natural light like whenever I people say to me all the time like I don't know what it's about you but like I get this brightness or this lightness or this sense of joy whenever you're around and I'm the kind of person like I'll be walking down the road and not even knowing that I'm smiling like you know when you're trying to have like a vex face like don't trouble me (laughs) (laughs) naturally I'm just like smiling that's why I could never survive in London (laughs) people down there just find me weird like why is she smiling so much but I can't help it it's because naturally that's just who i am it's inside of me i think do you know what i remember i was lying in my bed it was about one o'clock in the morning and i'm an early bird so for me to be up at one in the morning you know i'm I'm, that's that's a serious thing something was happening and it just kind of came to me i just started writing down all these different ideas for not your average girl which is the um platform that i now run and it literally just came to me. I just started writing down loads of ideas about what I want it to be. I want to build an empire. This is what I want it to look like. This is the kind of content that I want to create. Because even though I work in media now, it's still quite restrictive if you're not at a high level. Whereas like, I know when I'm doing my own thing and I have control over my own narrative and content, like, I have so much more to offer to the world. So, yeah, it just literally came to me like a word from it and I couldn't stop writing. I couldn't stop just conjuring with all these things about what it is that I wanted to do. So, like, yeah, nothing, like, major. I was just in bed. It was late. <laughs> and I started making notes.
0: It's amazing to hear that, though, because not your average girl, it obviously focuses on a particular demographic Mm -hmm. uh, and when did you start that because it definitely is more of a in the public like conversation for a lot more equality with being represented in media in music across all all platforms of entertainment and and as I say media so Mm -hmm. was that something that was prevalent at the time or was it something that came quite before I don't want to say the movement because it's not just started over the two years, but before it really created the, the, the attention, the the attention that it's definitely demanded over the last couple of years, uh, especially.
1: I'd say not your average girl, like that term, as I coined that when I was like 16 and I kept saying it it was just something. it was, I don't know if like as a teen, like you had like a certain like phrase or word that you fell in love with, but not your average girl, like, I do a lot of writing, so like if you read back on my diaries, it's just a term that I always use to describe myself. I always knew that I was different, not in terms of being better than everybody else, but in terms of just that was my USP. I never really felt like I fit in.
0: Did whenever you, did I was you celebrate I... that? Did you celebrate that, or were the times when it felt a bit awkward you... around it?
1: I grew up as I grew up very highly sensitive as a child, so um, I was very tall as a young child and um, also I, I um, when I was a child I used to get bullied for having dark skin so I always kind of felt like the odd one out I always kind of felt like I didn't really belong in any sort of circle and I think by the time I got to my teens it was kind of I think I'd say around 16 I remember saying to my mom like mom I want to start this magazine uh for young women and I really want to empower them because I used to read loads of magazines like Closer Heat you name it I was a proper magazine junkie but I always found like even though those magazines were entertaining there was nothing stimulating in there yeah. that said to me like look you can start a business you can be a boss you can focus on your health um There was just always stuff about like relationships and appearance. And I just kind of felt like there has to be more elements to young women than this. So Not Your Average Girl was kind of born out of, actually, I want to appeal to those young women who see. want to just focus on different elements of their life. I'm not saying that beauty and fashion is not important. Of course it is. We all want to look nice. We all want to feel great. However, life is about balance. Your wellness needs to be in check spirituality needs to be in check mindset needs to be in check you know what i mean so i feel like balance was the way of saying i'm not your average girl there's different assets and elements to me i may not be the it girl i may not be the hot girl but this is what makes me unique and it really is about each individual young woman finding their usp that makes them fabulous do you know what i mean and um, so i've kind of just really locked on to that phrase and yeah like like I said when I was rebranding school girl I just thought this doesn't really make sense because not your average girl is what people know me for they know that I say it they know that I post about it so I thought let's just marry the two together and just allow people to really identify that with me.
0: I think it's key what you're saying I think that uh, obviously there's a lot of Depth and substance that sometimes, you know, fashion and beauty, obviously it plays a part and it is important, but a true connection is when people have the depth of substance and sometimes it can be a bit futile because people don't really engage with that side of it because it can be easy. Instagram, I love Instagram, I'm not even having to mm-hmm. swipe there. but it's my favourite world of social media because it's looking at the world through sunglass lenses so you don't know what really is happening in that person's world. Oh, sorry. When, exactly. When, when people get to share a bit of substance, a bit of depth, when you have that, I feel it now in this conversation. The, you know, yeah. when, you're, when, you, when you're stimulated by an invigorating conversation, it just reach a, reaches a different area in your soul it just brings something else alive and makes you feel like anything is possible so when you created this is that something that you wanted people to tap into when 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 they came across your material
1: Absolutely. And it's about saying that you can do both. Like, I feel like we're in a world where people try and put you in a box and categorise you. It's like, oh, she's the fashion influencer. She's the makeup artist. She's smart, but she's not pretty. Like, you can be both. If you want to be the sexy career girl, the sexy businesswoman, you can be both. You don't have to be one or the other. Like, people assume that just because... Say you're a woman in a position of leadership, Um, you have to kind of be an itch or you have to wear uh, a suit or look less feminine to kind of match up with men in that particular level. And it's like, no, I can be sexy. I can still be a leader. I can still be intelligent. Like I can be all I can. I can be all like I don't have to choose one or be categorized. And I think there are influencers out there. Um, like for example Patricia Bright I think she's a great example of someone who is a great businesswoman. she's also good at fashion she's also good at beauty and she has just really cleverly shown that you don't have to be one or the other and I think that's what it's about allowing people to realize like stop trying to make people force
0: you into a box. Do you find when people reach out to you are they reaching out more complementary of what you're putting out or are they reaching out with more questions about themselves which you feel because you saw of because you're interested in learning more and becoming secure and true to who you are that you're able to then find answers that then again shine a light on other people like how do you manage the material that you come up with to still be engaging with people who who are still seeking that, that 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 security in themselves
1: I think it's trial and error. Like, you're never going to be able to cater to everybody. But I feel like rather than approach it from a perspective of trying to cater to the masses, you put out what it... So I see it from the perspective of what did I need when I was coming into TV what support was I missing? And I know if I was missing that support, then someone else is definitely going to be missing that support. So I'm basically giving out everything that I didn't have, or I feel I didn't have, mixed in with some of the questions or some of the things that other young women have reached out to me for, because I might think, oh, there's a gap that I didn't think of. So it's it's kind of creating balance. There's a little bit of filling in the gaps of what i didn't have mixed with what they actually need now
0: would you say are you wanting to be a role model or is it something that you're creating and if you are viewed as a role model it's a it, you you accept it or is there a pressure on being a role model or do you want to be seen as as you know when you were coming from and that person wasn't there if you're trying to fill that that void essentially are you trying to be a role model because i do think there's a lot of pressure on that title do you know
1: what i think a role model is not necessarily something you want to be it's you you right you either are or you're not people either look up to you or they don't um and i'm going to be honest my i would love to think that you know People can draw some form of inspiration from me, um, but if they don't, that's not my business. Like <laughs> I'm just gonna get on with my life because I just feel like this this pressure on yourself to try and be whatever it is, whether it's a role model or an influencer or whatever the title may be, like just live your life. And if you're living your life in the in the best way that you know how people will naturally gravitate to you anyway. You know, when Martin Luther King or, or Malcolm X or whoever was just fighting their cause, I don't think their main concern is, oh, I, I hope I inspire people. They will just do what they've got to do. And through that, through their cause, through their fight, they were able to create a natural following. And that's what I want to do. I hope that just by living my purpose, I create an organic and authentic following or community, I'd rather call it a community, that just naturally gravitates to me anyway. You
0: know? I respect that. I respect that. And the reason I ask is that sometimes it can put unburdened pressure and it can sometimes sway people further down the line when it comes Mm -hmm. to decision making in maybe career roles or opportunities that are presented and sometimes it might be right for you but you might be thinking is this what but I love the fact the answer that you've given you know you're not doing it to be seen as a role model you're doing it because Mm -hmm. it's who you are it's the authenticity of what you're about and through that it is a true saying. It's like you lead by example, not by what you say. Exactly. It's not just following. So I, I, I definitely respect that. I um, found myself in various o- job opportunity roles. So, you know, I do stand up comedy. I present a DJ and X, Y, Z. But prior to that, you know, I was living the two worlds of, well, this is just an aspiration. So I need an office job and going down that path. And one thing that always stood out to me and one thing that is really prevalent in my stand-up comedy. You know, I've been raised by a single mother and the, like the strong women that have been in my life that have helped build the backbone that I have to be the man that I am today. And I always put that on wax and give the, the credit where it's deserved. And I always look to try, portray that in my comedy and my material to know through humour, but the strength of what I've received through my life.
1: Mm. But one One area
0: where I always felt that there was a a discrepancy between uh the male work world and the female work world is that if a young lad with a bit of chat charisma came through the older heads would bring him through and say He's got something about him, you know he's not mm-hmm. a threat We're going to bring him through, and when it was split the other side and not stereotyping, but when it was put with the the, the side of the females, it was more like she's a rival, we've got to hold her back or the, mm-hmm. have you Have you seen that, or is it again is it something that's changing across the spectrum i mean that's my own that's only my opinion. you know it might not be accurate to everybody else's, but I definitely felt like there was a lot more standoffish nature whereas now it does seem like there's a bit more of a collective a bit more of a sisterhood so has there from your own experience been a lot more support from peers within your industry
1: i would say personally from my experience in tv there's not a lot of brown girls who look like me that's just point blank point blank period like let's not beat around the bush about it and particularly in presenting tv presenting there are not there may be a lot in, i say, America, but particularly in the UK, there's not a lot of prominent TV presenters that you kind of see on those mainstream TV shows who look like me. So, yeah, there can be a bit of tokenism in terms of you kind of feeling like the only one <laughs> representing for everybody. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely um, there's a lot of work to do around that in terms of pulling a lot more uh, diverse talent through. Um, but in terms of, like, sisterhood, um, I have personally found my own sisterhood working in the TV industry. Um, and there are, there are not loads, but there are a lot more um, melanin sisters like myself than you think. <laughs> and we do support each other. I've got a lovely set of industry sisters. Um, we call ourselves Sister FM. And honestly, these girls work across news. Some of them are producers, directors, uh, production coordinators, uh, script editors. Like there's an array of different job titles that we all hold. And we really do hold each other down. And honestly, if it wasn't for having that tight knit niche community, I think half of the time i probably just lost my mind in TV because I was saying to my parents the other day, like, I am like one of the first people in my family to be corporate. So we don't have a template to follow. Mm. We are literally trying to figure this ish out as we go along. You know, but there's nothing that my parents could have told me that, have, that could have warned me for corporate. I've had to learn everything just by trial and error. I've had to learn what microaggressions are. But passive aggressiveness is, I've had to learn so much. And I was just like, well, I didn't know I'm warming. <laughs> but it's been an interesting journey. And one thing I can say, it's made me a lot more thick skinned. Oh my gosh. The TC who people know now, I would say five years ago when I first came into this industry, that was not me. I used to literally, if someone me said boo to me at work, I'd just be crying. I'd be in the toilet, crying out my little eyes. Whereas now, I know how to stand my ground. I know how to politely but firmly say, don't speak to me like that.
0: Because I'm know not how, the one. You know, <laughs> play, you know how to play the game in, in the sense of exactly. the responses. Like, passive aggressiveness is the worst for me. I was trying to explain it to a friend. And even coming up with an example was difficult enough. But you just know when it's happening. And you're like, oh, we're we going through that again. But um, yeah. is it is it something where... You, you've got a thick skin, but you still remain with an open heart because you definitely seem a good optimist, here. you?
1: You have to just kind of take things... You know, you have to... I think working in TV has definitely made me more open-minded. It's allowed me to work with different types of people, uh, experience different characters, um, and you really kind of just have to take people at face value until you know, yeah. they, they prove you otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Um, because not everyone is the same. And there's been some phenomenal people who have been key gatekeepers in just opening the door for my next um career opportunity. Um, you know, I worked with an amazing um guy, um, and he actually recommended me for um a promotion. So it's just like There's so many different people and you just kind of have to be open minded about it. You can't tarnish every single person, no matter how they look or who they are with the same brush. You just can't live life like that. It's very tempting because of what you see in the media. The media is very good at kind of building up a lot of anger, especially in our community, to kind of say, oh, this group. Can't stand us. But you really just have to take
0: individuals for who they are. Where are you from originally? From Birmingham, I could Bur- tell, I thought you were. <laughs> and and what, are, you, are, you, are you living in Manchester now then?
1: No, no. So I used to work in Manchester for two years. I worked um, in children's TV there. But now I'm back in Brom.
0: Okay, fair. So are you still involved with the Beeb?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm currently at BBC Three.
0: So how are you, so, because you've got Media City in Manchester and then you've got yeah. London, so are you just commuting back and forth then?
1: No, no, so I'm currently just based in Birmingham at the moment. I used to work in Manchester, I think, from 2016 to 2018, and then I moved back to Brom, and since then I've just been working in Brom for BBC Three, so, yeah, we move around a lot in our industry, like, no one ever stays <laughs> in one place,
0: So So really. is... is- is BBC Three based in Birmingham then?
1: Yeah, so we're and based in are. Birmingham and we're based in London as well.
0: Because how are you finding it since it the channel, well, it got moved online, didn't it? So do you find a lot of freedom with it being online a bit more?
1: I think it's great. I think, do you know what? Um, The BBC, Channel Four, whatever channel it is, like they've just had to evolve, you know, a lot of um, young people are watching content online, so um, they kind of had to make that move where, you know, we go where our audience are, there's still a lot of people who enjoy linear TV, but at the end of the day, a a lot of our audience, a lot of young people are online now, so it makes sense to go where the audience are, you know, they're watching Netflix, they're watching YouTube, so yeah, I mean, I think it was a wise move.
0: I, I think I'm a massive fan of the psychology of it all me and you've got to think that when people are watching TV, there's yeah. music that's playing, you're on your phone as well. Like, you know, there's so many different ways to try capture somebody's attention even though that mm-hmm. attention span may be a lot shorter than what it once was. So I, I think it was a solid move to go online. And um, what what how would you describe your role then? <laughs>
1: Every time I say to people, I'm a development researcher, it
0: just doesn't even make sense. Can I have a guess? guess? Yeah, go go
1: for it. What do you think a development researcher is?
0: So I guess you scour the internet or you scour culture for people that you think have an ability to then develop, to then create content for the BBC. That is what I would guess a development researcher is.
1: You you kind of had some elements in there. So... Basically, my job is to come up with TV show ideas and online content ideas for BBC Three. That's the best yes. job
0: ever. The that's best job, that, thank that's you. That's better than going out and going, ooh, look, I've just found them. They might be good at that. You're like, well, me cat just tried to chase a fly. That could make <laughs> five minutes of TV, which it really could. I swear, if you're ever short sure of an idea, just get a cat. And a fly, and it's the best green saver ever. Well, no, that is such a cool job. <laughs> like that's such a cool job.
1: Yes, I mean that's a bag, but I I, feel, I actually
0: feel like I have the coolest job ever. Okay, it's a privilege. How do you find your inspiration for ideas? Do you find a, a particular <laughs> formula with people that you work with and how they may fit in, or do you just think that's a cool idea? Let's run with that. Like it, it, it's such a wide world of what you could c- create.
1: Let me tell you something. TV development is such a niche department in TV and there is no formula. Absolutely no formula. You can get inspiration from anything, whether it be a conversation, uh, a picture, uh, someone's life story, like anything. It just it could be a sentence or a phrase or a trending word like anything you've got to be so open-minded because the world is your oyster and you cannot afford to be limited um but it, it is very brain taxing sometimes like sometimes you can just have an overflow of different ideas and then you can kind of just have like dry spells where it's just like can't think of anything so yeah
0: do you try keep topical with certain stuff or is that quite a dangerous not dangerous but um A a more reserved road to go down Because that could dry up And then you're like okay What do we do now
1: I think think you have to So my job is to always constantly know And be on top of trends And what's going on In terms of what talent Is popping right now What trends are popping right now But also You have to learn to be a leader You cannot be afraid To be the first to do something Because sometimes there's, you have to kind of know how to navigate the difference between what people want and what they don't know that they actually need yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever watched something and you've been like, I wasn't actually looking for this, but I find it thoroughly entertaining. Can I tell you who it is,
0: right? On Instagram, the person who brings me the most joy is this Asian gentleman called U U U S P or something like that. It's U-E-S-P and then loads of eyes. And it's just Ooh. this... <laughs> i want to check him out no honestly right like he's just he, in fact i'm not even going to tell you what he does just go on his page i'll send you after and just watch <laughs> but he brings laughter to life all the time but you mm-hmm. couldn't even make up what he does you couldn't even make it up to be like oh yeah but if you were to say everyone watch this you'd be like no but you i know if the more people saw him they'd be like wow I, yeah, You just bring so much light to my life with just how daft he is. Like, he's such a cool guy, such a cool guy. But I suppose it must be like that then. But then is it a matter of getting people to create the content that you make or is it a lot more, I suppose, with it being online, is it less script-based, written, produced, actual shows because you're looking for more of a, a vlogger style in front of the camera, hitting while it's fresh.
1: So I work in unscripted development, so it's more like you fact end shows. I don't do anything scripted. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you've seen BBC Three content, like it's very just kind of raw. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, so yeah, we do. Um, gosh, I forgot what the question was. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just talking how, and how, thinking. Am I even
0: making sense? No, I did go on on a long tangent, but that's what that's my thing. I might as well be called no, Ben okay. Tangent, not Ben Random. But no, it was how you get people that create uh, how you find people that deliver the content for you. Like is it more um, Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, the, the the content a lot of the content that we create is in house and then we also have um independent companies. Um and in, Indies are all over the UK and some and like they will make content um for BBC as well. So it's it's both.
0: You know when um I think of BBC Three and I think of The Mighty Boosh. I think of People Just Do Nothing. I think of, you know, like the shows that have been, That's it. you know what I'm saying, like incredible shows. But now that the main TV show's sort of not there, I don't know if the like when I go and I play it never really breaks down if it's BBC Three or BBC One or anything like that when I'm looking at particular shows. So are you able to reach out to any of them? Are you able to reach out to like MC Grinder and be like, "Hey mate, do you want to like do a commentary over this cat catching this fly?" Like you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like how, um... how are you able to to draw in from uh, existing people that have been on BBC Three?
1: Not me personally. I mean. I mean, we have, like, obviously casting producers and talent people that have more close contact with those people. My area is strictly development. It might go into production, so, you know, being on shoot, being on location, but in terms of, like, that talent I don't have access
0: to them it would so. be difficult yeah. though, coming up with an idea and then passing mm-hmm. it over to somebody that completely runs with it like do you have to be I so, get all the time yeah, you must like do you have to be so specific with the notes that you give but then you you clearly like do you not even get a sign off on it like say like you've given them an idea but they're running with it and then does it come back to you and you're like it's what I wanted or no I want to tweak it or do they just take your idea and just embellish it out the one?
1: If you work in development, you cannot be precious about anything. Like development is literally you create an idea, come up with it, and you literally hand it over. You You can give, obviously, your opinions and your feedback on like if the idea goes out, like you can give your insight into how you think it can be improved or what can make it better. But, yeah, you literally just hand it over, but you can't be precious about it you really can't be it's not how
0: it works. With you been a presenter do you ever try and uh, come up with concepts that have you involved in the project so then you're a bit more gun ho with how it's going to operate because you're actually in the project?
1: Um, not for BBC3, um, I very much just concentrate on my role as a development researcher um, I, I feel like I'm really privileged in the fact that I've had experience in front of the camera and behind. It's not something a lot of people have. Mm. Some people usually do either one or the other. Um, so when I'm in a role, I just concentrate on that role. Like when I worked in children's, I did both. I did presenting and work behind the camera at the same time. But for BBC Three, it's just my development researcher role. And that's what I focus on. Um my role is to make sure I find the best talent and put them forward. So I kinda of just have to take myself out of the picture. You know, it's not about me. It's about making sure that I find other amazing people out there who just want to get their break. And for someone who um has done presenting, I get it. I get that there's people out there who just need who want to be seen or need to be seen or deserve to be seen because there's so much noise on social media. And sometimes if you haven't necessarily got the biggest following, um, you can sometimes get overlooked. But for me, it's not about numbers. It's about quality over quantity. You can have millions of followers, but no substance, like or no, nothing unique about you. Um, and you can have 200 followers and be the funniest person alive. Do you know what I mean? So, I know exactly yeah. what you mean,
0: mate. I got teared up then. It was like you were describing me. <laughs> oh, definitely. I,
1: I personally, I can't speak for anyone else. When I'm looking for people, it's definitely quality over quantity, a hundred percent.
0: Do you find then when you were doing your And I respect that, and I agree, it is quality. I think like a lot of people look at a quick hit, and it's mm-hmm. not about that, man. Like I, I. I I sometimes get frustrated or despondent's a better word. I, I don't think frustration's good in any creative form to so sort of, like, digest that energy, but despondent mm-hmm. in how people who may be excelling a, in a way that is akin to getting liked, basically, they're in a format, they might be on a reality TV show, doing something like that, and then they step in a presenting world, and they're not a natural presenter, they're not, giving the skills of a presenter but the taking up the position of a presenter because they have that popularity mm-hmm. it can it can get a bit despondent and a bit discouraging but i i think i'm like you really like i know why i'm in this game i know what i want to offer and like it ain't i you know again I, in the chat a couple of chats before I, I said one of my favorite um metaphors or quotes it's from a philosopher, ancient philosopher called uh, Lao Tzu, and he said mm-hmm. that if you have a candle and you light another candle, it doesn't mean that yours goes out. So you, everyone can still light like, shine. It doesn't, and something like that really like resonates with me, you know, because I do think that it's easy for people to go. They've just come off that reality TV show. We'll get them for six months, but we'll never see them again. And Whereas you could get someone to develop them. And before you know it, you're three, four years in. There's a proper solid base there. And I don't know. I just I just think sometimes people go for the fad rather than the substance. But uh, anyway, that's enough of a rant about that. But, uh, no,
1: I, I hear you 100%. I think it depends at the angle that you're looking at it from. You can literally take someone who has like a seed of potential and for me as as a development researcher it's more fun to actually nurture that person to greatness rather than kind of take someone who's kind of already ready made it's a bit boring i think as a natural content creator as a creative it's more fun to actually nurture someone and just watch them grow and kind of be like, yeah, I did that.
0: <laughs> no, I see that. I see that. I, the, you know, I was speaking with um, Stephanie Hurst, like a DJ mm-hmm. who used to work on like a Yorkshire Radio Station and then really well known through like the radio industry. And we were okay. on a pattern.
1: I said, OK. Yeah, no, yeah real, real yeah. cool
0: person, uh, proper OG in the game. And um, we were on about Ryland. No, I don't know if you know Rylan. Right? Yeah, 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 so, I right So Rylan's a perfect example, right? He was on okay. Big Brother. He went on to be a. For me, a, as a presenter, he's a sick presenter. Like he's. Mm-hmm. So if if you was a developer working with him, I get it because you saw he had a spark. He's a sick presenter, and now he's a great host on radio too. And it's like there, there's no mm-hmm. beef with that. There's no like you know you saw it, you nurtured it he's now a presenter, he's not just a reality TV star lending his hand at something that, you know, so I do see the potential in that, I just think that there's a lot more opportunity for those the people in those circles to be nurtured rather than people who've been doing it a long time to get those spots and I I suppose it comes down to uh, opportunity in the roles that are there, you know, there's only a limited amount of shows that can be made and I think that's why a a strong tool is online. I think, like a strong tool is to be able to get that following, or not even following, but just your content out there on a, on a particular yeah. platform, so people can engage in, and draw into it. But um,
1: yeah. Sorry, go on. Now I'm just gonna say, to be honest, like a lot of it is about your network as well. Like, I'm not gonna pretend and sit here and say, you know, it's just because I worked very hard. You know, <laughs> and. Yeah you can work hard and you can keep working hard and keep working hard but at the same time when you have key gatekeepers in those spaces who can recommend you or open doors for you that does help and I think people just need to be more honest about how they actually got where they got to because no one's self-made do you know what I mean everyone has had help at some point and I would be lying if I sat here and said, oh, yeah, I worked hard and got a TV presenting, and that's it. No, 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 that wasn't it. I spoke to someone. He
0: spoke to someone. He spoke to someone.
1: (laughs) Plus, working hard.
0: I respect that. I respect that. When you were a children's presenter, is that where Mm -hmm. you got the idea to start being uh, an author?
1: No. I became an author at 16 years old. So, right.
0: You've yeah. grown up 16 a few times, like yeah. is what, what, 16 seems such a breakthrough year for you. Like, 16, <laughs> honestly, it does, it does. You mentioned speaking with your parents about it at 16, you mentioned a few other things at 16 when you knew about switching your brand from your other one, like. 16 was properly like Adele's got her titles of like years, yeah like sixteen's yours if you ever do a, 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 your own like autobiography sixteen's yours but that is a it,
1: really good idea what was it
0: about 16 what was it because for me I think that's a really early age to sort of like be tuned in but I get why you're obviously progressing like you are but for, for doing it at that age I'm
1: trying to think like you know you're trying to think back to like what headspace was I like, even in then I don't know, like, I guess it was like the last year of school, and you're just kind of thinking about, I don't know, like, obviously you don't have your lives together at 16, you're still young, but you still, ideas are still sparking, well they were for me anyway, and I felt like I was just transitioning into, I guess my next stage of life, because It wasn't that deep, now that you think about it, like, girl, you just go into sixth form, it's not that deep. But for (laughs) me at the time, it felt like my whole world was changing, I was leaving school, my friendship circle was changing. And yeah, I just, I knew that at 16... At, at first my dream was to become a journalist so I really wanted to write for magazines um, and I ended up going to London and doing some internships for um, Bauer Media so Bauer Media they had Closer Magazine so I worked at Closer Magazine as an intern I worked at Heat Magazine as an intern and I worked at a magazine called Ask a Mom. so I did a few internships there and I thought yeah this is the area of my life that I really want to go down but it was kind of like my little planning year, like I wanted to launch a magazine, I wanted to, I, in fact, i tell you what, at 16, I wrote Seven Goals, um, in terms of getting into book writing, I had that dream from when I was 11 years old, at 11, I went to my parents and I said, I want to write a book, that was it, I had no idea how I was going to do this, but I was like, I just want to write a
0: book. Did you know what it was about?
1: Not at the time. Um, I was always writing, so I've been writing since the age of like five. My parents always encouraged myself and my sisters to keep a journal. So literally, on top of my um wardrobe, I've got like a massive box full of diaries from the age of five, like for dates like two
0: thousand and two.
1: Do you ever read <laughs> I them? I don't like reading my diaries back. I know you um, mean. I did. I did read the first page of my two thousand and two diary from when I was five and I think I wrote about going no, I wasn't five, I think I was seven. But I was basically I was writing about going to the fish and chip shop. Like, I used to I used to chat rubbish. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like to read about my journals. I don't know, I just don't like it. I respect that. <laughs> I hear that, I hear
0: that. But so so sorry, you were saying you went to your parents and said you wanna write a book at eleven? Yeah.
1: I was like, I want to write a book. I was reading people like Jacqueline Wilson, Benjamin Zephaniah, Mallory Blackman, and like I just had no fear. This is the thing when you're younger, like you just fearless and you feel like you can do anything. Whereas now you're more cautious when you approach anything. So yeah, I was stuck like, on to write a book. I didn't know how to do it, but I wanted to do it. And I remember sitting down at fifteen, um, back when you had like the big old square computers. And I used to come home from school and just used to write my short stories. So some of the stories I'd actually written when I was 12 in my English lessons. So I just took some of those stories and I developed them even further into actually longer short stories. Um, so yeah, I just started writing it at 15 and then by 16 I was a published author. I think I wrote the book all in all in about nine to ten months.
0: How did you think, yeah. go through the process of writing it to then get it published? Because these are all like crazy things to be achieving.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I I, I'm, I feel really blessed. Um, literally sat down and wrote the book. Again, I didn't know anything about publishing. Um, and they're still going to be honest, like. <laughs> but um, yeah, my parents at the time kind of took control of the whole process and they were approached by a publishing company in Redditch who really wanted to publish my book so um I went through them and then from there um the voice newspaper I don't know if you know the voice but they got in touch and they wanted to make me their um front page story so yeah just kind of The platform was there. From there, I went on to be interviewed on the BBC Radio, on Midlands Today. um, And I got so many great opportunities out of that. Um, And then last year, I decided to republish it because so many people were asking me about it because it had been discontinued. So I was just like, you know what? Yeah, now is the time to re-release. And I wanted to switch up the narratives. So I made all the narratives in the book from a female narrative. Um, and I really wanted to kind of point out more diverse characters as well in the book. So it's got a different feel from the first one. Um, but oh my gosh, I cannot believe that. because at, at the time, when I was 16, I wrote a letter to Benjamin Zephaniah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like he's so inspiring, please read my book. And he wrote me back. And then, fast forward 10 years, he came into the BBC for like a talk. And I saw him and I was like, I literally showed him a picture of the letter. I was like, remember me? Like, he wrote me a letter when I was 16. And, And then, yeah, I kept in touch with him. And um, I sent him a book and he sent me a testimonial to say that he loved the book and you have no idea how it feels to have the Benjamin, legendary Benjamin Zephaniah to say that your book is dope. As far as I'm concerned, everyone else's opinion don't matter now. (laughs) You could say my book is rubbish, but I could say but Benjamin Zephaniah said was great. So.
0: That's How you doing? It. It's sensational. It's sensational. It's like I mean, is 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 this still a, a vocation and aspiration that you want to continue with the writing side?
1: Absolutely, I love to write. Writing will never ever ever die in me. Like even if I don't do anything else, I have to write. I feel like it's my way. Especially like I said to you when I was a child, um, because I went through so much, I guess. I guess I went from an identity crisis in terms of not feeling like I was good enough the way I was because of how people used to attack me with words. So my way to really, I guess, help myself back then when I didn't realise was writing. I used to write everything. Like, I used to write my pain. I used to write how I was feeling. I used to write about, like, because I was anxious. I was a very anxious child going to school. Thinking about going to school made me so anxious. Walking across the playground made me anxious. Like, it was just a very anxious time of my life. And having my journal, it like, I was having my best friend. It was a way of me being able to express anything that I was feeling. So I can't, I cannot imagine you taking writing away from me.
0: Without getting too deep, is that one of the reasons why maybe you don't want to go back over them books? Because it might open a window to where you are, even though it's still a part of you and you acknowledge it, but you've come through that. It's like you don't need to revisit that. Is that one of the reasons?
1: I think kind of. Um, like you said, I think when you... That's such a good question. Honestly, like, yeah, like sometimes you can you can move on, but you don't need to revisit to be reminded. So, and you know what? Maybe I will get to the stage one day where I'm just like, I can read this. But yeah, I think it would be hard for me looking back now to realize I was so young and to think, gosh, I felt like this at eight. That's quite emotional. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, we'll leave that there for that.
0: <laughs> I respect that though because one thing that's coming through is just the depth of maturity that you have, like, not just in how you come across nice speaking, but the, the what you've achieved. Like do you mind me asking oh, how old you, you are? I'm twenty six. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's crazy to think of what you've like accomplished so far thank at you. a point. And even through hearing the hunger and appetite in your voice, I don't even think that you think that you've scratched the surface in where you want to get. Yeah. Just, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's honestly, it's like enthralling to see where you actually want to take it and where you want to, where you want to progress oh, you so to it. It is, it is it's incredible. Um, would you like to let people know where they can find a bit more about the books that you've got, a bit more about what they're about? Because I know uh, the children's novel, uh one of the books actually I really wanted to give to one of my friends because he was speaking about, you know, like he's raised as a guy, he's got an older sister but he's never really had a you know a young like female like um impact in his life and now he's got a daughter oh. and it's like, you know, he proper loves his daughter but certain things oh. that might be said in a in a in a school by kids or nurseries, you know, like you've just said you've experienced it it's like he's always like i don't know he knows what to say to assure his daughter because it's his daughter but you know if you've not been in that situation sometimes if people have there's more of a there's more of a reassurance of look someone's been through it and they can get so are the stories like related to that or is the notions of stuff like that in in the books like what what are they about
1: So, there's seven short stories in it. Um, so, for example, Snow Black, that was literally born out of a concept of me not seeing representation of princesses who look like me, you know, princesses with Afro hair, who were dark skin, you know, you never really read, like, narratives. It was always a single narrative of something else, but it certainly wasn't about, you know, a Jamaican princess with Afro hair. Like, you didn't hear about that, so... I really wanted young girls to see, like, look, you're beautiful, too. You can be a princess, too. Like, it's OK. And then, like, you have other stories in there which touch on um, mental health. So there's a, there's a story called Trapped, and literally the entire story is about what goes on inside of the the little girl's mind. But you don't actually realise that until the end. So it's the whole thing is about what is happening in her head. Like she talks about this thing coming to get her, um, it's kidnapping all her family. Like it's quite eerie, but it's literally allowing people to see that even though children are children, there's stuff there's, going on inside their minds. They're still there's still stuff that's on they're still switched on. More
0: there's, so switched on. The more so what you on.
1: think don't you think there's always the, the the saying that, you know, kids will be kids or they're just a child. No. But, you know, it's about not getting too, like, flippant about it. Like, children go through some stuff. that like, you don't even
0: realise. 100%. 100%. Do you think that these could be made into, like, uh, almost like adaptations? Do they have the scope to and is it something that you'd like to potentially see happen for them one day? 100%. I
1: mean, I'm a naturally content creator so I'm a visionary like when I write I also see it coming alive in my head so absolutely I would love to see snow black be turned into an animation one day I just think it would be so amazing to see that um yeah and I think just putting these narratives out there I am hoping it can really help resonate with young girls. I've had so many parents like send me little clips of their daughters reading the book, and honestly, it melts my little heart because I just think I didn't have stories like this when I was little. So it just makes me really happy to know that actually it's helping young girls just enjoy reading and enjoy seeing themselves while they're reading. That's
0: fun. I think that. Brings us nicely to the end. Uh, so, thank you for your time. And I think it's a nice roundup off the back of what you're just saying. If you just want to remind people about Not Your Average Girl, and where people can find out a bit more about yourself as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, if you would like to get if I, uh, get your hands on my book, Snow Black was over massive and other short stories, um, it's available on Amazon. Um, and then obviously not your average girl it is an amazing community supporting young women in tv and digital media so if you would like some more support if you would like to hear from me if you'd like me to be your career coach then just get in touch with me at team nyag both on twitter and instagram and obviously i am at this is tc so you can find me on instagram and twitter as well and thank you so much like you are amazing like, thank you no. so much for having me. <laughs> You're so much fun. Like, I love your Yorkshire accent as I well. like people. People literally think the Birmingham accent is strong. Your Yorkshire accent strong, but it's amazing. I love it.
0: I, I have the strongest Yorkshire accent ever. Like, I pride myself on my Yorkshire accent. <laughs> <laughs> I see people's eyes sometimes go like, wow, wow, what's going on? What's going on? Like, and then I turn it up another over. like I said, Paul, but uh, no. Uh, we, we've got to represent. <laughs> we've got to be true to us, which yeah, we started for representing yeah, our ends, fine. and that's what it is, man. Our, our accents tell our own stories and give us our own personalities, and you know, the past hour has just been incredible. To like,
1: and been now an <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I talk too much in there. I have no idea.
0: No, honestly, that's, you know, that it's called loose lips because, I, you know, I want people to feel engaged and open up and talk. And, and the whole point of this is that people can tune in and lock in and, Forget about the situation, what we're going through. And if we can escape it for an hour or whatever and get inspired by other people's stories, that's what it's about. Yours has really been like uh, the epitome of that Like To to hear everything that you've said and everything's just been so upbeat, optimistic. And there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to smash it and take it to where you want to get to. Bless you. you. It's been amazing to uh, connect and engage. Thank you so much for your time. You take it easy. Good luck. Don't be a stranger. Stay cool and good luck with it all, man. Peace.
1: Thank you. See
0: you. Bye. There we are. Talisha there coming through with the absolute fire of facts, man. Just wow. I wanted to reach out because I'd heard about the fact that she was an author and also doing some research inside at the BBC. So I wanted to delve into a bit more about her career path. But what she's just given us there has just surpassed anything that I could have ever imagined what it would to be. And such an uplifting, invigorating spirit and soul, which is, again, what I want to be able to be getting out of these encounters and these chats. So if you're new to this, this is Loose Lips. I'm Ben Random. What I do is I speak with a varying selection of people all across different walks of life, getting their life stories, looking to instill, optimism and enlightenment through those people who come into contact with them like yourselves who've been watching so thank you everybody who stay tuned and everybody who watches this if you want to see the back catalogue of all the chats then you need to go to youtube and put in pop cult chic and you can find all the back catalogue there likewise on instagram igtv put in pop dot cult dot you can find all our previous chats on there with some incredible people from society doing good things and uplifting the spirits of you and everybody around the planet i'm ben random i'll be back on monday with my next set of guests peace and light to you and yours stay cool stay safe stay blessed thank you peace